Saving money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink, thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own, into our house enter thou not, through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hey, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello. I Hello. am pumped for today's show. I, yeah. I feel like I just got an adrenaline boost for horror. Okay, why? What happened? I've just been watching that uh, Netflix show. I'm a couple years behind. Uh, okay. The Haunting of Hill House, I believe it's called, or A Haunting on Hill House. Is Haunted. that the Sandra Bullock one? <laughs> no. Not at all. Oh, okay. Just kidding. No, it's a, uh, no, it's, I don't know the names of actually any of the uh, actors in it. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's this one guy who was in, uh, it doesn't matter. Okay, carry anyway, on. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, I wasn't expecting a Sandra Bullock curveball. I'm totally thrown. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm just excited. It, it's just very scary. Okay, well, that's what good. I was, yeah, I'm just that's very good. scary. It's got me like uh, reinvigorated for the, the genre. Yeah, cool. just, it makes me excited to want to scare you. No, thank you. Mm hmm. Uh huh. So I'm, I'm ready. Okay, you got some juicy I'm stories. It. I'm bringing it today. Okay, do it. Thirty uh, percent off sale hitting badmagicmerch.com. Sale runs from uh, right now through Friday the 29th at midnight Pacific time. Uh, email store at badmagicproductions.com for customer service. Some of the items currently in the store will also be disappearing to make room for new 2021 stuff. Oh no! So get your spoopy gear while you can. Oh no! Uh, and how many stories do you have, Lulu? Do you have three? Oh, I love when you call me Lulu. Um, I do have three. I have two. More big ones, and then I have a little mm. one at the end that I love. Okay. I mean, they're all great, but I really love the third one. Very cool. I'm, I'm excited for uh, my two. Uh, first story, uh, possible urban legend, possible haunted house that is no more. It's the story of Pittsburgh's Congler Mansion. Ah, oh, Pittsburgh. And I, you know the Browns beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? I do twice at the end of the season. Just, I just want to make sure that was clear. <laughs> and, uh, ups, yeah, we're, we're Browns fans. Lindsay, Lindsay is uh, from a Browns family, uh, Big Cleveland, Browns family. and so I'm, I'm bandwagon. And, uh, and and congrats to the Browns for a great season. And, yeah, you know, they did. They, they did really two. great. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, and up second, another doppelganger story. Those always creep me out. Mm-hmm. This Are one's you... no exception. Cool. Uh, this one will make you think, like, what kind of chaos could a doppelganger add to your life? Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's I mean, it... I'm already thinking of, like, how that could be problematic. Yeah, there's an interesting situation that we haven't encountered before with doppelgangers. That okay. is pretty creepy. Uh, okay, so ready for our first story? It's especially cold. I know. Today. I like it. 
A uh, little bit of setup while you while you get your socks going. Okay, well my socks are on. I am I am wearing a dress. We're gonna do this very carefully. Mm-hmm. Look at these guys. They're so cute. They're like little They're little ears on the top. <laughs> and then all right. Now we're now we're okay. la- now we're leaving cute quickly. All right, take me to scary to visit the uh, haunted Congler Mansion. If you live in or around Pittsburgh, you might have heard the stories of a supposedly once haunted house called the Congler House, also known as the Congler Mansion. Maybe you've heard haunted stories under the old mansion's other names, the house on Ridge Avenue, or my personal favorite, the house the devil built. There are a number of stories out there regarding the origin of this home that apparently exists no longer. Some say the old home on Ridge Avenue was built in the late 1880s. Other sources list the 1860s. And full disclosure, some don't think this house was ever built at all. Some think that the home and the Congler family who supposedly built it, and all the tales of everyone who ever lived in the home after they left it, nothing more than folklore. Weird. Today, let's assume those people are wrong. Let's believe this haunted home is all too real, and also go with the spookiest version of the Congler Mansion origin story, the 1860s version. Time now for the tale of the house the devil built. According to legend, Confederate Charles Wright Conger made a fortune in the South during the final days of and in the few years after the Civil War. And then he and his wife, Lydda, made their way to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And at the tail end of the 1860s, they built a house on Ridge Avenue in the north side area of Pittsburgh. But they wouldn't live there for long. There was a lot of speculation that Charles had not made his fortune in the most reputable or noble way. It was rumored that his family had owned a munitions factory and that he was awarded government contracts to produce rounds of small arms ammunition for a confederacy in desperate need of bullets. And allegedly, he cashed a bunch of big checks to produce bullets he never ended up producing, at least not for the South. Knowing the South was falling, at the end of the war, he took his last checks, produced munitions, then sat on them instead of delivering them. Then, after the war's conclusion, he sold those same rounds of ammunition, hundreds of thousands of rounds to the Union. Then, following the war, taking advantage of a ruined economy and people grieving their dead relatives, he bought up lots of land held by former slave owners and either rented them out or sold them to sharecroppers. These are the rumors. And Charles, through these dealings and others like them, made a lot of money. And he took that money to Pittsburgh and built a lavish mansion on Ridge Avenue. There, Charles and Lydda lived in the dream home they'd built along with their maid, Essie. Their house was huge and ornate, overlooking the area where the Allegheny and the Monongalia... This is a tough one, unless you're from there. Monongalia Monongalia rivers merged into the mighty Ohio. I tried, Pennsylvania people. And for the first year or two, life in eastern Pennsylvania for the Conglers was good. Pittsburgh was a bustling city with a booming economy. The city's roughly a thousand factories were consuming 22 million coal bushels yearly. Coal mining and iron manufacturing was attracting waves of European immigrants to the area, with most coming from Germany. In these years during and directly after the Civil War, increased demand for iron meant more workers, the expansion of the city, and more prosperity for everyone, especially those at the top of the business food chain. And Charles jumped into the local steel business with the money he'd made down south, and he made even more money up north. Charles also apparently jumped into his maid, Essie. Oh. No one knows if Essie led Charles on and encouraged this affair, or if the German immigrant was just afraid to resist the advances of a wealthy and powerful man who'd given her a good-paying job in a country she just barely arrived in, with nothing more than the clothes on her back. Victim or eager participant, the affair would end in Essie's gruesome death. In the winter of 1871, Lydia went looking for the young maid and couldn't find her in the kitchen or in any of the other places where she should have been. 
So she went to Essie's servants' quarters and was just about to knock on her door and call her out when, standing outside of Essie's room, she heard noises. Noises coming from both Essie and her husband, Charles. Noises that could only mean, of course, one thing. Enraged, Lydia went back to the kitchen and grabbed a large butcher knife. She grabbed the key to Essie's room. I get it. She then marched back upstairs, and while the noises continued quietly, let herself into Essie's room, and then actually seeing her husband inside Essie, this drove her mad. She ran across the room and sliced the young maid's neck. Her husband screamed, fell back onto the bed, as Lydia then brought the knife down upon him, stabbing him in the chest. She then took the knife back out, slammed it back down over and over again. And then things got even more gruesome. A few days later, after not seeing anyone enter or leave the house since the murders, a friend and neighbor of the Conglers entered the home through a back door after knocking and getting no answer in the front. Oh, shit. And he encountered the terrible smell of flesh beginning to rot. And he found Lydia sitting in a rocking chair, covered in blood, holding the severed heads of both Charles and Essie, singing them a lullaby. Oh, God. Records don't seem to state exactly what happened to Lydia after that. Most seem to think she was taken to one or one of several Kirkbride plant insane asylums that existed in Pennsylvania at the time and locked away for the rest of her days. With no children and no will, and with local authorities unable to track down a next of kin, the large house on Ridge Avenue would then remain empty for over two decades. And during those years, according to local lore, those who walked by at night might hear what sounded like a woman humming lullabies. Once, some curious teens snooping around the abandoned home even even claimed to see a rocking chair start moving on its own as they also heard the hum of a lullaby. Then in 1892, a local railroad company purchased the house from the city. No one ever did claim it and converted it into apartments for rail workers. And those rail workers, by all accounts, tough, serious men who worked long hours doing grueling work, who by all appearances should have been able to sleep just about anywhere, quickly lost interest in staying in this old house. They began complaining of strange sounds, such as the sounds of someone humming a lullaby, the sounds of scratching coming from within some of the walls. They spoke of a deep hissing sound that seemed to emanate from everywhere in the house at once. More unsettling, a few railway workers also ended up complaining to a company higher up that their foreman, who lived in his own private residence, was visiting the house too much to check on them. Workers complained that they were grown men with a right to privacy, that they didn't need to be monitored or babysat, that the foreman needed to stop lurking in the hallways at odd hours, watching them come and go. Uh oh. It was demeaning, it was a bit unsettling. Whoever or whatever these men were seen seems to have not been the foreman. The foreman assured his superiors and his workers that he hadn't visited the house during any odd hours, not once, and his wife and children were able to vouch for his whereabouts. He'd been home when he was accused of spying on his workers. One night, when the apparition was seen lurking about the old Congler mansion, the foreman had been out having drinks with one of the railway's vice presidents. Pretty solid alibi. Mm -hmm. So what did those workers see in the Congler mansion? The ghost of Charles, wandering the halls, sneaking around, looking for his maid, Essie? With more and more uh, railroad workers refusing to stay there, the company eventually had no choice but to sell the house. Dr. Adolf C. Brunrichter then purchased the home in 1900 shortly after arriving in America from Germany, and he had it remodeled back into a single-family residence. Neighbors felt it was an odd purchase. The home was huge, and the doctor had no family and would live there alone. Dr. Brunrichter was a recluse, rarely left the mansion or socialized with neighbors, but he did have guests. Whether they came willingly or not is anyone's guess. Oh, 
buddy. They certainly didn't enjoy their stay, and some of them never left. On the night of August 12, 1901, the reclusive doctor's neighbors were startled by the sounds of a woman screaming, followed by an explosion of light from within the home. Investigators soon arrived and discovered the body of a woman missing her head. Curious coincidence, given the crimes that had taken place there several decades prior. Strange and broken lab equipment was also found, the apparent source of the explosion of light, and additional body parts were discovered. Most gruesome of all, another woman's head. What kind of experiments was this doctor conducting? Did he himself seem to be some kind of Dr. Frankenstein? Was he just some eccentric sadist? Some killer? Dr. Brunrichter disappeared directly following the explosion that night, nowhere to be found. Then over 25 years later, in 1927, an older man was arrested in New York City who gave the name of Adolf Brunrichter to the police. Drunk and seemingly full of remorse, he confessed to old, horrible experiments in Pittsburgh, even telling the police where there were more bodies. Crazy. Police searched the locations they were given. No bodies were found. The old man was briefly imprisoned, referred to as the Pittsburgh Spook Man, in an article in one of the papers. He was soon deemed harmless, released from prison, and then he was never heard from or seen again. Did authorities miss an opportunity to solve one of the mysteries of Congler Mansion? Back in Pittsburgh, more tales of the house the devil built began to spread and reach some folks who were interested in psychic phenomena. Local medium Julia Murray and inventor Thomas Edison both believed to have visited the home in the 1920s. Edison was actually a big paranormal enthusiast who once tried creating a device that could be used to communicate with the dead. That's so cool. Murray was particularly frightened by what she found in the house. She said she detected a gruesome spirit that she believed had the potential to kill and had the power to travel beyond the house. She left quickly, afraid of the energy she felt in the home, afraid it might attach to her if she stayed much longer. Edison supposedly tried using his spirit phone invention to contact the dead still residing in the dwelling. No word on if he contacted them or not or what they may have said. The house sat empty again until some point in the 1920s when the Equitable Gas Company purchased it. They converted the home back into apartments once again for some of their immigrant workers. And these workers quickly grew just as frightened as the railway workers who'd stayed there many years before them. The men living in the building claimed to see shadowy figures moving about the home at night. Some of them heard a spectral presence humming that lullaby, just like those neighborhood kids so many years prior. Several claimed to have heard the sounds of scratching and what they described as demonic voices. And then, two of these workers were found dead in the basement. Oh. It appeared as if the men had been murdered, stabbed to death. But no murder weapon was found. There was no blood trail leading either in or out of the basement. And the bodies were found in different states of decomposition. As if one man had gone into the basement, been stabbed to death by an unknown assailant... And then a week or two later, a second man had suffered the exact same fate. Also, there was no reason for either man to have ever gone into the basement in the first place. Had someone or something called to them, lured them down there? The crime baffled local authorities. No suspects were ever arrested. Following the discovery of these two homicides, the remaining workers immediately moved out of the house. Were those men killed by the ghost of Lydia? Had they reminded her of her cheating husband? The Equitable Gas Company held on to the property and were likely about to sell it before it was completely obliterated in a freak accident in 1927. On November 14th of that year, workers were attempting to repair a leak atop a nearby and massive natural gas storage tank when a giant flame erupted and sent the container exploding into the air. 
The eruption sent debris and human remains everywhere for hundreds of yards around. More nearby tanks subsequently exploded, creating several additional large fireballs. The smoke and the flames were visible for miles. 28 people were killed, hundreds more injured. Because the old Congler mansion on Ridge Avenue was only two blocks from the site of the explosion, the building was completely eviscerated, leaving only a large crater behind. For years afterwards, locals would say that the house the devil built had been transported back to hell. Hopefully the dark spirits trapped inside went with it. Or are they still in the earth at 1129 Ridge Avenue, now a vacant lot near Heinz Field where the Steelers play? Are they waiting for a new dwelling to infest and new people to torment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those severed heads. Mm-hmm. That's I know weird. some weird little themes in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the different like conversion into uh, workers, you know, tenants kind of units. Yeah, kind of back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just lots of different sightings supposedly over the years. Yeah, just uh, an interesting story. I wonder if you went there now and mm-hmm. just pitched a tent. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, because obviously there's not a structure to stay in. Right. I happen to wonder what you would find. Yeah, or who not knows mean it, what would happen, I should say. If you stayed overnight. Yeah, it's very yeah, very close to the where the Steelers played. And th- th- here's a picture, supposedly, of this old mansion. Wow. And, and again, you know, this is an interesting story. It might have never existed. I or, don't know. No, there's no way it didn't exist. That seems impossible. Yeah, it could be urban legend. It's a lot of urban legend. It is. It is. Story after story after story mm-hmm. built upon an, like another story. I don't know. It just yeah. doesn't feel viable to me. Uh, and this is the only picture, this next one I could find, of Charles Congler. Uh, it's remarkable how much he looks like the Pittsburgh Steelers mascot, Steely McBeam. Yeah, wow. I, mean, I didn't know they were able to take color photos back like in the 18, you know, well, some late 1860s. And, I mean, if you had enough money. Mm-hmm, it's pretty high res. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I wonder, no, there's no pictures. I wonder if the um, Steelers stadium is haunted. I, you know, I have no idea. Never, mm-hmm. never looked into. That would be interesting. Like we haven't done like a big sports stadium. I mean, some of them are pretty old. Well, that's and I'm thinking, thinking like, like Fenway or something in Boston. Uh, yeah, Wrigley and, Field. And Fenway was you know remodeled not altogether that long ago. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, there's always that theme, that trope that when you have a spirit in a place and then you go to change things, they don't like it, mm-hmm. and then they kind of mm-hmm. show up and tell you just how much they don't like it. Yeah, I have to try and remember to look for some uh, sports, like some big like concert venues. Mm-hmm. Oh, outside, yeah. Outside of a theater, like an actual stadium, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I think about like the Roman Coliseum. Oh, it's got to be. The amount of death that's happened in, in that place. Yeah. Ooh. Eek. Eek. Yeah, when I was touring uh, with a musician back in whatever that was, 2011, there were some venues, because, right, we traveled the world, mm-hmm. and there were some venues where... You would you, not. How do I want to say this? Every venue you have to like go down these like dark back hallways, yeah. and, you know, because you're behind the scenes. But some of them, they were fucking creepy. Yeah, just like dark narrow hallways. You're by yourself. You know, I was dealing with costumes, so I was like in the washroom, and you're mm-hmm. always just I don't know, I don't know. And even if no one died, maybe it just had bad energy. I mean, when you think about. All the kinds of people that have come through there, you know, you might have someone who's like a drug addict or, you know, crazy parties that go on and terrible shit happens, you know, like it just, I don't know, Mm -hmm. sometimes did not feel good. Yeah. Now, for me, out of the two stories I had today, that was a shorter one and and less scary. That was the appetizer. Okay. Just getting warmed up. Mm -hmm. Are you ready for the, uh, the horror main course? I'm very excited for this one. Okay. Time for a quick in-between stories sponsor break. Uh, if you don't hear any sponsor, don't worry. You're not you're not missing anything. Uh, when they get the downloads they paid for, sometimes they are not replaced immediately. And we get right back to more stories. So Lucky for you. Either way, I win. 
What is the most basic gift you have ever given the moms in your life for Mother's Day? Flowers, a candle, some random knickknack you picked up at the last minute because you completely spaced Mother's Day? I have definitely made the mistake of procrastinating gifts for Mother's Day. And then, like the Friday before, I run to whatever store is open and convince myself that, yes, yes, my mom does need another coffee mug that declares she's the world's (laughs) best. So lame. This year, how about one-upping yourself by giving the moms in your life an Aura picture frame? Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to any mom at any age. Aura frames connect easily to Wi-Fi and have unlimited storage so you can share as many pictures as you want. This year, as many of you know, I am on a spending freeze, but one of my carve-outs was meaningful gifts for the people I love. I don't want to give all of the moms in our lives something that won't bring them joy. We are giving Aura frames to the moms in our world because they are timeless, heartwarming gifts. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code SCARED at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scared to death. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Uh, back for the second tale now, uh, creeps and peepers back to, back to doppelgangers. These ones always weird me out. Zero setup for this one. Oh, okay. Right in. 
Time now for the tale of It Wants to Destroy Me. On a Saturday night several years ago, Trisha, a young woman in her late 20s, was laying in bed in a Seattle apartment. She shared with her husband of around the same age, Felipe, who was laying next to her. Their two-year-old son, Maverick, an only child, lay asleep in his room down the hall. Trisha went to bed first this night and was not yet fully asleep when Felipe slipped in under the covers. As he moved around to get comfortable and pulled the blankets over himself, Trisha heard him ask, Why are you smiling? Who the hell was he talking to? Trisha lifted her head and asked him. And when she did, Felipe screamed and literally jumped out of bed. He stared at her in horror, recoiling from her, attempting to touch him as Trisha sat and asked him what was wrong. He quickly scanned the area around her with darting eyes, clearly looking for someone else or something else that might join them in their room at any moment. Now Trisha was freaked out too. She slowly stood up off the bed, moved towards him as he backed away from her into a corner, repeatedly asking, Trisha, is that you? Is, is that you? Trisha continually reassured him that yes, of course it was her. Who else could it be? She was starting to think he was having some kind of nervous breakdown or something. She finally got him to calm down, which took several minutes, and he then told her what had scared him so badly. He told her that after quietly checking on Maverick, making sure he was still asleep despite the commotion, and more importantly, making sure that there was no one else in the room with their young son, then making sure that no one else was anywhere in their apartment, uh, Felipe finally told her that after laying down on his side away from her and then rolling around to face her, he saw her, or at least someone who looked exactly like her, sitting up with her head propped up on her hand, smiling at him in a way that really creeped him out. What? That was when he asked, why are you smiling? And then, when a second Trisha, the real Trisha, asked him who he was talking to, the first hopped off the bed and just walked out of the room. Trisha laughed and asked Felipe if he'd taken anything. They both liked edibles and mushrooms. Had he maybe taken some without telling her? Felipe, not amused, which bothered her. He usually had a great sense of humor, could take some teasing. Right now, he was stone sober, scared, and saying that what he saw was not funny at all. Trisha didn't know what to make of it all. His story gave her the chills. Pretty creepy to think that some double had just been in bed with them. But if it was there, why hadn't she seen it? She didn't know what to tell him. After telling him that, she just, he just shook his head, told her that he must be really tired. He just wanted to get some sleep and forget about the whole thing. Fine with her. She didn't want to talk about it anymore. They both laid back down. Felipe tried to put the entire incident out of his mind. Eventually, both of them were able to fall back asleep. Then right after Felipe had seemed to totally get over this unnerving encounter, two nights later, he ran into this second Trisha again. Shit. This encounter would be a lot harder than the first to chalk up to just being tired. The night it happened, Trisha was working an evening shift and Felipe was home alone watching Maverick. He had just put their son to bed when he passed who seemed to be Trisha in the hallway. Oh my God. His wife's doppelganger looked so real, his mind tricked him for a moment into thinking it really was her, totally forgetting she was at work. Ugh. Then when, she, when he did remember where she was supposed to be, he spun around to find the hallway empty. Felipe rushed into Maverick's room only uh, just to make sure his son was still there. He was still sleeping. Then he searched the rest of the apartment. The imposter nowhere to be found. He called Trish on her cell phone. When she answered, she immediately heard the panic in his voice. She didn't know what to tell him. Again, she still hadn't seen anything herself. How could she believe what he was saying? It sounded crazy. He sounded crazy. She didn't tell him she was starting to seriously worry about his mental health. Should he be watching Maverick alone? 
These thoughts scared her more than the very remote possibility of her having a double. A double? It was laughable. They didn't have insurance that covered mental illness, and they almost certainly and they had almost nothing in savings. She really, really didn't need Felipe to lose his shit right now. She was already working long hours. If they suddenly took on additional unexpected expenses, if Felipe couldn't work for some reason or couldn't watch Maverick, she didn't even want to think about the problems this would all cause. Trisha told Felipe that maybe he should set up a doctor's appointment, see what they had to say. He wasn't into that idea at all. He told her he was not going crazy. He knew he had seen something. Trisha got off the phone and returned returned to work. She hoped, prayed, this would be the last time she had to hear her husband talking about seeing another her. But the doppelganger would return again the very next night. Trisha was working the evening shift again. When she got home, she found her husband curled up in a ball on the couch. His whole mood and demeanor seemed way, way off. He seemed sullen, despondent. Not his usual laid back, but still up and pleasant self. She asked him how his night was, and he reached out and touched her face strangely as if to make sure that she was real. Everything all right? She asked. Yeah, he said, although not convincingly. He sounded really distant. She was really starting to worry about him now. He told her about how he'd been hearing creaky noises and footsteps going from the kitchen to the bedroom all evening, and that he was sure he'd seen her brown hair disappear around a corner earlier. At this point, Trisha thought she heard their son moving around and asked if he was asleep yet. Felipe said she should probably go check on him, so she did. It was a great excuse to get away from all this weird doppelganger talk. She went into her son's room and found Maverick sitting up in his crib, looking at the door, and she thought that he must have just heard her coming up and stood up to greet her. Or he's standing up in his crib, sorry. Seeing him standing and waiting for her gave her the best, warmest feeling. Kids, so much work can be so exhausting, maddening even, even, but also they can fill your heart right up and over the brim. Right up to and over the brim. Trisha picked up her son, brought him over to the rocking chair that sat in the corner of his room. She started rocking him to sleep while also singing him a soft song. Then as she rocked him, she suddenly got the feeling that someone else was in the room. All those warm fuzzies drifted away. The room felt cold now. She shivered. She felt like she was being watched. And then, thankfully, as soon as it had shown up, that feeling passed. But then a few moments later, she got spooked all over again when she saw a shadow moving across the floor under the bedroom door. She continued singing, telling herself that Felipe must have just walked past, but she worried that it wasn't him. Deep down, she knew it wasn't him. A few minutes later, once she was sure that her son was asleep, she put him down gently in his bed and went to go talk to her husband. Hey, hon, did you just get up to use the bathroom a minute ago? He shook his head slowly. Nope. Fuck. Huh. She said, confused. That's so weird. I was sure that I saw your shadow cross by the hallway. His eyes lit up. It must have been her. Now you've seen it too. I told you there was something weird going on. Trisha downplayed what she'd seen and didn't tell him about the feeling she also had that she was being watched moments earlier. She told him it was just a shadow. Or maybe she'd imagine the whole thing, amped up from all his recent doppelganger talk. Felipe was frustrated that she wouldn't join him in his doppelganger obsession, and soon, neither one real happy with the other, they both fell asleep. For the next few days, things seemed to return to normal. There was a little bit of tension between Felipe and Trisha. He was getting more and more irritated that she still didn't believe him about anything he'd seen. But there were no more sightings, thank God. Then, on a Friday night, while Trisha didn't see this second self, it suddenly got much harder for her to continue to deny this impossible thing's existence. She had worked the morning shift that day and was at home that evening watching Maverick with her husband. 
After rocking him and putting him to bed, she sat down at the computer in the living room and started scrolling around social media to unwind while Felipe streamed some show of his on Netflix. After about an hour of this, both Trisha and Felipe suddenly heard a woman's voice singing softly. A voice that seemed to be coming directly from their son's bedroom. Shit. The two looked at each other in horror as Felipe muted the TV. The singing continued for another few seconds as they both broke out with goosebumps. Then the faint singing stopped abruptly and it was followed by the sounds of footsteps. <sighs> they both heard Maverick call out, Mama! And they jumped up and ran to his room. When Trisha opened the door, she almost slammed it into Maverick, who was standing near his doorway. He stared at her confused and asked, Mama, why you go away? <gasps> Instant chills. Honey, she said, her voice trembling a bit. I, I was in the living room. I didn't go away. Maverick pointed at her and insisted, You sing! Not wanting to tell him what he'd heard, what he'd seen that wasn't her, and frighten him, she picked him up, stared at Felipe, their eyes both wide in terror. Felipe gave her a now-do-you-fucking-believe-me look. She certainly did. She shot him her own non-verbal look of, I'm so sorry. Felipe went back to watching his show, kind of. He stared at the screen, but his mind was obsessed on the double. Trisha sat in the rocking chair with Maverick and rocked him back to sleep. The whole time, she once again couldn't shake the feeling that something else was with them. She also couldn't stop looking under the door in the into the hallway. She kept seeing a shadow out there, walking back and forth, pacing just outside the door. She knew Felipe was sitting on the couch in the living room, so what was outside her son's room? She prayed she wouldn't hear the singing, or that the door wouldn't open and she wouldn't find herself face to face with herself. If any of that were to happen, she was 100% certain she would completely lose her mind. She didn't know where they could go, but she knew she wouldn't be able to stay much longer in this apartment. But then she thought, what if this thing just followed them? What was this thing? Anyway, what did it want? Felipe stayed, uh, Felicia, I'm sorry, Trisha, geez, stayed in the rocking chair with her son for a lot longer than she usually did that night. Mostly because she was too scared to move, and she didn't want that thing coming back in and staying with him. But whatever it was, it didn't seem to be trying to hurt anyone, did it? She didn't want to move her son into her and Felipe's room. Maverick lived up to his name. He really was independent. He was so proud of being a big boy and sleeping in a room by himself. She didn't want to take that away from him. And it's not like she could tell him why they were taking him out of his room. If she told him, it might be a long, long time before he ever felt comfortable again sleeping by himself. When she finally did get up, she put her son down in his bed, opened the door just to crack. She saw... Thankfully, nothing. The hallway was empty. Maybe this thing would just go away. She then closed the door gently behind her, walked back to the living room where she and her husband sat huddled together on the couch, not knowing how to discuss what they what they just experienced. The next week was paranormally uneventful, thank God. And the next weekend, the young couple and their son took a trip to see Trisha's parents, who lived about an hour away. Trisha told her mother Vicky about all the strange things that had been going on in their apartment, and Vicky gave her a knowing smile, telling her they were just tired and they needed more sleep. Her mother's flippant disregard for what she knew she'd experienced was infuriating. She knew what she'd, what she'd heard. She wasn't crazy. She flashed on how angry Felipe must have been with her for not believing him. While Trisha talked to her mom, Felipe and Trisha's dad, Will, were playing with Maverick down in the basement. Will had set up a big set of train tracks down there, and Maverick absolutely loved to watch his electric miniature locomotive loop around and cross the bridge. Cute. Pretty soon, Vicky and Trish decided to. it was time to check on the boys, and they headed downstairs. As Trisha neared the bottom, she could hear her son making his choo-choo sounds. 
When she rounded the bottom of the stairs, she could see him clapping his hands as the train came out of a tunnel. Felipe and Will were standing a few feet away, talking amongst themselves. Hi, boys, she said. And then both Will and Felipe did a double take and seemed startled. How did you get over there so fast? Will (gasps) asked, wide-eyed. What do you mean? Trisha responded as her whole body shook with the chills. Felipe jumped in. You were just right here, just now, with us. You were standing right there watching Maverick, he said weakly, the color leaving his face. She certainly wasn't, said Vicky, who also now seemed a shade paler than normal. She's been upstairs with me for the last hour, she almost whispered. Mm. Now the color left Trisha's father's face. Philippe had been filling him in on everything, and now he said, I told you, I told you it was real. Trisha's stomach sank. What were they supposed to do now? Even if they didn't know where they'd moved to before, at least that they, they could entertain the possibility that movie might get rid of this strange twin, this doppelganger. And why was it almost always seen around Maverick? What did it want with her son? Did it want her son? Felipe and Trisha drove home that night with Maverick in almost complete silence. Over the next few months, there were a few more definitive sightings of the doppelganger and a lot of instances of hearing footsteps in other rooms that no one was in, shadows under the door, and a few times the sound of Trisha's voice coming from rooms that Trisha wasn't in. But nothing as intense as anything they'd already experienced. They were beginning to think that they could just acclimate to living in this strange new reality. No way. But then things were made a lot harder for them once again. Trisha lost her job. One afternoon at work, she was called into her supervisor's office about 10 minutes after showing up. Trisha walked in, worked in a large warehouse, and she worked an unusual shift. Sometimes she worked AM hours, sometimes she worked PM hours. She was working a PM shift the day this happened. As soon as she sat down in her supervisor's office, he swiveled his monitor around and showed her some security camera footage from that morning. He pointed to some video of her walking into part of the warehouse she had no business being in. Oh, shit. It looked like she was hiding something between several storage bins. He asked, What were you doing here this morning, Trish? She stared at the monitor, wide-eyed, with her mouth hanging open. How could she possibly explain this? The woman on the screen looked exactly like her. And it's not like she had a perfect alibi. She was home with Maverick that morning. Felipe was at work. She had no one but a two-year-old to vouch for her. Not only was it going to be impossible for her to convince her supervisor that she had a doppelganger, it was hard to even speak. She was in shock. She felt sick. She felt defeated. This was the first time she had actually seen her own double. She finally was able to get out. I have, I have no words. I, I, just, I have no memory of this. I, I was at home with my son this morning, not here. Of course he didn't believe her. Who would? He said they'd searched the storage units, found a wad of cash hidden where the image of Trisha on the screen had been seen, or had been seen. Assuming theft, of course, she was fired on the spot. After this, Felipe and uh, Trisha just dedicated their lives to trying to rid themselves of this malevolent thing. But it's not like there's an instructional instruction manual or some YouTube tutorial for kicking a doppelganger out of your life. Trisha went to several nearby churches until she found someone willing to come over and say some prayers and perform a cleansing ritual of their home. When that didn't work, she bought a bunch of New Age books and learned various spells and rituals to rid their lives of evil presences. When that still didn't work, they visited various self-proclaimed spiritualists and healers, bought various elixirs, amassed an uncomfortable amount of credit card debt in the process. She got a new job. They moved to a new apartment. And still the double shows itself from time to time. While there have been no more major incidents since the warehouse footage, her doppelganger still has not disappeared. Felipe still wonders sometimes who he is really talking to. Who's he laying in bed with? His wife? Something else? The whole experience has been anything but good for their marriage. 
Both he and Trish wonder and worry if the entity still visits their son. They worry because if it does, it's not like they can stop it. They feel so utterly powerless. Trisha, like Felipe, is continually anxious about not knowing when she'll see this thing next. Not knowing when she'll see a woman dressed in clothes that look exactly like her own. Brown hair disappearing around a corner, a shadow moving down an empty hallway. Sometimes she and Felipe still hear her. A laugh coming from the empty air, a tune hummed in an empty room. Will it ever go away? Will it stay until it gets whatever it wants? And does it want to replace her? What the fuck? Eek. Oh, God, I have so many creepy feelings about all of that. And that's just a creepy story. It's so creepy. And it just... I just don't get it. I don't mm-hmm. get it. And I, I don't want to go down like an information rabbit hole trying to figure out why this happens. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not... I'm not comfortable Uh, because I feel like, okay, is it trying to replace you? Is it trying to take something from you? Is it you in another life? Is it you (laughs) trying to show you something? Is it, is it, but the warehouse thing, that was the weirdest uh, doppelganger thing we've, I've come across in some story posted so far where it's like, it, that, that, that wasn't her. That wasn't like in character. It seemed for her to like try and steal. Like it's like, it it tried it for sure. Like tried to get her fired. Mm -hmm. It feels like. It was trying to do something to if mess that, up if, her if, life. Yeah, if this happened, it feels like that was, yeah, try, it's, it's trying to wreak havoc on her. Like it's malevolent. Do you remember that doppelganger story that I had, that fan story not that long ago about the boy his sister had a doppelganger? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, God. Uh, it's just so weird. I just don't understand why it happens. It's, yeah. Who, yeah. Like, like at least with so other things, like, okay, a haunting, like your yeah. first story. It's like, well, someone was murdered there. The spirit hangs out. Right. The energy, so, whatever. Right. But why? Why did doppelgangers happen? I know some weird, it's like you could get into like multiverse kind of theory, like parallel uh, universes where it's like there's um, a, a little glitch in the matrix. Mm-hmm, yep, exactly. A little, little ripple in the fabric there. And one thing bleeds over into the next kind of, you know, dimension. I don't know. There's so many like weird places your mind can go with all this. Ugh, I don't like any of it. it. It's just so uncomfortable because then, then it's like if you really like get into the headspace of worrying about doppelgangers. Just that fact that if like like if I saw oh, if I God. thought I saw one of you if something like that happened to me that just is gonna fuck with you forever like if you had a real like vi- strong visual encounter with one yeah and then you are gonna wonder like is the person I'm talking to really the person I'm talking to I, I would literally start poking you <laughs> and and what could that even prove you know right nothing well I think about like this is so silly but you have a a car that I know right it's mm-hmm. you know like whatever your truck if i see another one of your trucks driving down the road right, right. and i think that oh like oh he must have like left work to go get lunch or something i always kind of like speed up and try to see and then i see the license plate and i see it's not you but, yeah. but what if what if yeah i saw a truck that was exactly your truck and i don't know maybe just different license plates let's just say okay yeah. if i pull up next to it and it's you <sighs> driving it uh-huh but then i I'm waving at you. You're waving back at me. But mm-hmm. then I come to the studio and your other truck is here with your actual license <sighs> plates. And you're here. Like, how bad does that fuck you up? So bad. Ah. Could you have sex with your doppelganger? I don't know. I haven't come across that story yet. Because that would that would send me to like another level. Yeah. Just like the intimacy of that. Mm-hmm. And being so Because the, the intimacy of the child mother relationship being mimicked yeah. is enough to really fuck me up. But then like <sighs> sex. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. 
Maybe we'll come across one of those stories one of these days. Oh God. Okay, so this is I got a few pictures. Oh, yeah, just a few pictures before we go. This first this is a picture that Trisha thought she was taking of only her. But then when Felipe pulled the image back on on the phone, it was a second uh, Trish here. Okay. So that's weird that they thought it was just one person, and then you can see the doppelgangers like in the same position. I have a few more. <laughs> you couldn't help yourself. <laughs> this this is so dumb, you guys. This is so dumb. You're not missing anything. This next it's one. Two girls like in some weird. <laughs> no, hold on. This, yoga this, pose. One, this next one, um, Trish thought she was just doing a gymnastics move by the pool. But then when the footage came back, there's another Trish like like mimicking her exactly, which is super weird. How many like, pictures of these two girls do you have? There's, I have one more. Uh, in this next photo, again, Trish thought she was alone. Uh-huh. She was just doing the splits on the trampoline as one does, holding her arms up. But then when the pic is looked at again, you can you can see that she's holding her doppelganger up. Like How, she just thought. Who, she, who are these girls? Do you know their names? It was such a weird photo. They're identical twins, Sam and Tegan. Ripka, maybe R R Y B K A. The Ripka twins. I get, they're big on YouTube and TikTok. They're out of Perth, Australia. Okay, well, hopefully then, because they're famous. <laughs> In the social media realm, no one will think it's too creepy that you have lots of photos of two really attractive young girls. Well, I looked up twins, and this, hey, this is what the internet gave me. Mm-hmm. It turns oh. turns out there's not a lot of um, big social media stars who are like unattractive dudes doing gymnastics moves with each other. <laughs> <laughs> Why couldn't you Those... find two unattractive doppelgangers? <laughs> what if doppelgangers are only for attractive people? Uh, you yeah. only get a doppelganger if you're good looking. True. <laughs> oh my God. I'm... I love how much you just think that is so hilarious. Dad jokes. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, you're hilarious. <laughs> you should be a comedian. <laughs> I amuse myself with those stupid little jokes. <sighs> yeah. Well, I can always see them coming. I know. You're, you're, you're Joe recognizes them now and is we dumb. I started doing one the other day, and he just he gave me the exact same look that you and the kids gave me. And I was like, oh, no. I've lost it everywhere. Yeah. Everybody knows. What's going to happen? a certain look in my eye. What's going like, happen right, when just you just fucking uh, say your dumb thing and then we can move forward? What What will happen when you start touring for stand up again? Will the audience just give you that look? Like, okay, Dan. <laughs> well, I I, I, I do. Okay. More, yeah, I know. I know. If I was doing gags, that would not be well. But yeah, luckily, no, you'd luckily, be terrible gag gag joke teller. <laughs> luckily, it's stories. Yeah, I, but even the audience, I think, knows when I set up certain stories in a certain direction. You're like, ah, this guy's full of shit. Yeah, Where, where's it coming? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you got to really work on that. <laughs> true <laughs> come up with some new angles mm-hmm. okay so i have uh, a couple of stories but before we dive in we just wanted to talk really quickly about annabelle shout outs because yeah. i have been getting quite a few emails saying mm-hmm. like hey i signed up at this time i still haven't heard my name or yeah. um i've gotten some emails that are like hey i just signed up so next week when you give me my shout out and i just want to have some clarification around how that all works so that yeah. there's no hurt feelings or anything like that so um the thing about becoming an Annabelle is, first of all, thank you so much. Yeah, because it, thank you so much. It is such a game changer. It allows us to buy new equipment and do things that you might not notice necessarily, mm-hmm. but it improves the quality of what you see and what you hear. It allows mm-hmm. for custom sound beds. It allows, you know, that we pay someone to do. It, mm-hmm. it allows Keep for... Keep saving for hope, possibly a studio at some point. Yeah. Our, yeah. yeah. Which is if, crazy expensive. Yeah. If you're a time sucker, you know already yeah. that that's been like the long-term goal to move into our own space. We currently rent mm-hmm. this space. Um, but yeah, just a variety of things that it, it allows us to do to make the show better and more yeah. robust. Um, so I, I just wanted to say that, you know, when you guys sign up on the 
an admin sign of Patreon, there is a downloadable file and it shows me who signed up when, right? Yeah. And we just go, we started with the first one mm-hmm. and I just go and I pick 20 names and I cut and paste yeah. them. And I have a spreadsheet with, like if you were, if someone once wrote in to like, hey, I missed my shout out. And I'm like, or I didn't get it. And I search the file every time somebody says that mm-hmm. and I find their name. And one time I was like, oh, hey, like you did have it. And they were like, oh, shit, I'm so sorry. So I know. Yeah. I you're, you're tracking it well. Yeah. I mean, like I'm very meticulous about it. Yeah. So I I hope there's no hurt feelings or I hope you're not disappointed. Mm-hmm. I just, we are, we're only doing 20 a show right now. We, we might ramp it up to 30 or 40, but we don't want to do too many because right. then people just get lost. Yeah. And then it's not fun. It's like, yeah. if not that this has happened, but how do I explain this? When we opened Patreon up, obviously that was the, like the most influx all at once, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. people we had talked about it and people got excited. And so I don't even know how many we got in the first month. And But let's just say this week we got 100 patrons, which we won't get 100 new patrons this week. But that would take, you know, multiple weeks to mm-hmm. get to. So we're just trying to be transparent, which is always our goal yep. with all of our shows and our network here. So um, I hope that all makes sense. It does. I insist on being fair about it. So you don't get the Cut the line. Yeah. What, what little squishy you got over there? What's going on with him? Uh, I have a little Freddy Krueger squishy. He's, he's supposed, these, so these are, cute. These are supposed to be blazed. No, he's terrifying. Don't call him that. He doesn't like it. Look at how cute no, he is. No, don't say that. He doesn't. What's he, on it, his hand? It irritates him. Uh, blades, obviously. Oh. how come? Razor fingers. What's on the other side? Just a little hand. Oh. I thought he had two razor blade hands. I can't remember. I don't think so. Oh, no. That's Edward Scissorhands. Very different. Very, very, very different. Mm-hmm. I did love that movie. That's Wolverine. And Edward Scissorhands. Yes. Okay. okay. All right. All right. So now let's get into our story. So um, today's I, unintentionally, but then it ended up making a lot of sense. The stories all kind of have this theme about like what happens when we die and maybe, you know, what's on the other side. And this first story really kind of got me thinking about I'm not religious. I was raised religiously, but I'm not anymore. But it kind of gave me some interesting pathways in my brain about thinking about God. And I just wanted to like ask you before we dive into it, you've mentioned before how this show has maybe opened you up to to different possibilities. And that's pretty new for you. Yeah. It it sounds weird to say, but like uh, out of the shows I do, like scared to death is the one that's more almost like spiritual for me. Mm -hmm. I I just watched for our, and this is not a a plug, but it's just a real thought. The, uh, the Annabelle like horror movie, this looks awesome movie this month, 1408. The character, it's, it's a very similar motivation. Like the main character played by John Cusack. I, I related to it. I related to it so much because he is trying to find evidence of a real haunting mm-hmm. to experience it firsthand. Because I don't want to spoil the movie, but it's been out a long time. Skip ahead fifteen seconds if you don't want to spoil. Because his uh, daughter died, and he oh, just wants to, right. he wants to know that something else is out there. Right, that she's and, in some mm-hmm. other better place. Yep, and, and, and Logan Keith and I have talked about that here. Where for me, it's just like I want to know for sure. That something else is out there. But what if that something else is something terrible? Do you want to know that too? I do. I okay. do because for me, so you can live in fear the rest of your life. No, for me, if there's something terrible out there, I'm I'm just going to go ahead and assume that there's also something good out there. Oh, it doesn't I see, make sense. I see. So if I find the terrible, that will also equate for me to finding the good, even if I don't see that. I'm such an anxious person mm-hmm. that if I found something proof of something good, mm-hmm. I would be like, awesome. I can't wait to get there. Yeah. And if I found something terrible, I would literally spend the rest of my life being so petrified of death. Oh. that something awful was waiting for me. Mm-hmm. Some, it might be, but it might be probably actually, you know, <laughs> Oh man. Well, in, <laughs> in light of you saying that, I just thought this was a, a good moment to say, like we get so many great emails about how this show has helped so many people. Yeah. And every time I get one of those emails, it's like, Hey, I hope this doesn't sound weird, but I find so much comfort in the show from, uh, 
people who are agnostic, atheist, Christians. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really cool how this yeah. show taps into that for all of us. I mm-hmm. think it's a very human kind of emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. So digging in. Hello, all. I found your podcast by listening to a Spotify playlist of spooky podcasts. Yay. Yay thank you, Spotify. Uh, I have to say I'm hooked. I've spent the past week slowly getting caught up on all the episodes. I hope you enjoy this story. This all happened when I was still married and living in North Carolina. A bit of backstory to this. I'm a very open person, open to all things otherworldly. During the time I lived in the house in North Carolina, there were a lot of things that happened. I heard my name being called. I saw multiple people who weren't there, including a small child. I was frequently touched by something. I could go on and on, but this story is not about me. My son, whom I'll call Bug, also has my openness. He is now 19 years old, just to give some sort of time frame. This happened about 15 years ago. My mother had become suddenly very ill, disoriented, Mm. and started speaking in a way that she was like stuck in a loop in the past. It was terrifying. She slipped into a coma eventually and was sent to a major hospital in Boston. That makes sense because she lived in Maine at the time. While we were there, I found out that her brain matter was breaking down. We had weeks, if not days, before she would pass away. I was not a big religious person. None of my family are, but I prayed nonetheless. My family reached out to local churches, and multiple prayer groups were called together for prayers for her. My ex, who was in North Carolina while I was in Boston, had taken my son to the had taken my son to the church we occasionally attended, and they called together the entire congregation and prayed. This all happened on a Saturday and Sunday. Monday, I headed up to my mom's room with the local newspaper, a notebook, and a pen so I could read the obituaries and start to write hers. I walked into the room, and she looked at me and said, Kiddo, where's your dad? I dropped everything and ran over to her, astonished that she was now sitting up and talking. Mm -hmm. She had been on death's door and in a deep coma the day before, and now she was sitting up talking as if nothing had ever happened. I cried. I called my dad, who had gone home over the weekend to make sure her will was in order and to start the search for funeral services. That's how Uh, sure we were that we would lose her. He made it back in four hours on a drive that normally takes over six hours. She made a full recovery. I stayed an additional week after she woke up. I knew she was fine after she had learned how to cheat on her do-you-know-where-you-are questions. The name of the hospital was stamped on the pillowcases. They had never had an explanation of why she got sick, and even less of one why she had gotten better. She was called the Miracle Woman, and random people who didn't even know her would actually stop by just to sit with her and hold her hand. Whoa. While that's amazing enough, here's the best part. When I got home, my ex told me something that I could never forget. He said that after the prayer meeting they had gone to, Bug was at home playing in his playroom when he came running into the living room all excited and happily screamed, Grammy's going to be okay. My ex responded with, well, we all want that, sweetie, but it probably won't happen. He said Bug went completely serious and said, she's going to wake up. You'll see. My ex was concerned because he seemed so determined and he gently asked our son, how do you know that? Bug looked at him and said, God told me so. Whoa. He then turned and ran back to his playroom and went back to what he was doing. This was on Sunday, the day before she was sitting up talking in bed. My mom is still alive and turning Whoa. 75 soon. Hope you enjoyed this as much as I do. Keep scaring it up out there. That was a very cool story. It's very interesting. I know it's not scary, but it's like... No, but like we've talked about, and like you said before the show yeah. about these stories, you know, that... that, that Proof of anything mm-hmm. outside of the realm of science in this world allows it, it does make 
it's very cool, just in and of itself. Very, very cool. inspiring. Yeah. And also it makes all the stories scarier. I that's what I think. I think mm-hmm. that just like you were saying, if there's some there can be something good, there can be something bad. If we find the good, it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that we can't find the bad, right? Yin and yang, right. if you will. But um yeah, I that, that story stuck with me so much. Yeah, that's very cool. Very cool. But also, for me, it was just kind of creepy because, <laughs> right. you know, like we always... What's out there? Yes, we always wonder that. And we talk about how kids are more open, kids are more susceptible. Mm-hmm. And generally, we're speaking in terms of like, you know, some haunting or something that they're seeing. But why can't it be God or something positive? Yeah. Right? Right. Right. Okay. So, so kind of... Con- Continuing with that that mm-hmm. angle on things, um, and, and I promise after this I'll wrap up with a good spoopy little story, yeah. uh, but I really felt like this was very well connected um, to the first story, and you know, I, I'm just curious, like, what do you think when people say something like, oh, I died and came back, or, you know, I've seen the bright lights? Do you immediately think, like, bullshit? Uh, I go back and forth. I mean, sure, being a little more skeptical, like... Uh, for most of my life, I've immediately went to like bullshit. Yeah, uh, you know that it's some kind of like chemical breakdown in the brain, mm. you know, or some series of chemicals that are released. Uh, but also, there is part of me that thinks like maybe not. Like so many people experience the same thing at that time or se- something similar at that time. Yeah, yeah. I haven't really like, researched it enough, and and not that that would even matter mm-hmm. in a sense. Um, because I do think just because there's some chemical process that occurs when something strange happens repeatedly. To me, that doesn't mean that the entire phenomena is just traced back to chemicals. It's like maybe this otherworldly thing is creating that chemical process that can be replicated. They're not necessarily just like different. Yeah. Kind of like with sleep paralysis. Sure. Just because we've talked about that. Just because you can poke this one part of the brain or stimulate it with, you know, electricity and create this shadowy apparition just out of of the line of your sight. Mm -hmm. To me, that doesn't automatically mean that that thing isn't something unexplainable. Right, it doesn't something. eliminate the opportunity yeah, for it to coexist. Exactly. Science and supernatural. And have you ever had any near-death experiences? Uh, no. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Oh, and this is going to bother me if I don't say it. This is nothing but just a quick thing. I kept forgetting to say something. In that last story, I kept wanting to call Trisha Felicia because like Felicia? Felipe oh. and Trish, and that's why I kept s- s- pausing with the name. I was like, damn it. And then I couldn't get by Felicia out of my head, and it was driving me crazy. <laughs> Thank I you. had to unload that. Okay, Thank now you I'm, for sharing that. Mm-hmm. that. Was that making you anxious? It was. I I know you so well. This whole time I've been like, what is his deal? What is he fidgeting about over there? I also have to go to the bathroom a little bit. <laughs> but I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I drank a lot of water because I was worried about my vocal stuff the last few weeks. So I drank a preposterous amount of water uh, right before the show. But I'm fine. Okay. All okay. right. Well, I'll try and go quick here. No, no. Don't, don't, don't rush. Okay. I'm fine. I can hold it. I'm a big boy. <laughs> Are you? I am. Okay. Hey, master and mistress of the spook and the suck. My name is Tommy. I'm 23 years old, born and raised in Cleveland and <laughs> Holy Name High School grad class of 2016. Go Green Wave, which is the dumbest mascot in the history of our high green school. Green Wave? The Green Wave. That's what we were called. Okay. It's so, Weird. so dumb. <laughs> Anyways, I'm sending in my story about the time I died and came back to life and what I saw when I was on the other side. To this day, I don't know if what I experienced was due to my brain creating a scenario to help me cope with death or if what I saw was real. But I felt I needed to get this story out there as I've only ever told family and I thought this would be therapeutic for everyone. In the fall of 2016, I was attending college at Cleveland State. 
At the time, I was just your regular old college dumbass, <laughs> partying and feeling like I could live forever. Yep. But as the fall turned to winter and the winter turned to spring, things began to sour. I began to fall into a deep depression. It started off slow, but gradually built up and built up more and more every day. Pretty soon, I began skipping classes and not doing assignments just so I could stay home and stay in bed. It wasn't long until I stopped going to school entirely, and after just two semesters, I dropped out of college mm. and was diagnosed with major depression by my doctor. I was given medication to help with the depression, but nothing ever worked for me. As it got worse and worse, I find, found myself lying in bed for entire days or more at a time, only ever getting up to go to the restroom or to eat. Mm -hmm. I was sick of all of it, and every day I would repeat over and over to myself, I just want to die. God, yeah. A bunch of other things started happening to me at the same time. I found that I was thirsty all the time. I constantly needed to be drinking water. I lost nearly 70 pounds wow. over the course of 12 months, going from about 210 to about 140. Holy shit. I also would get sick constantly. In hindsight, those were obvious signs that something was seriously wrong with me. However, I was so depressed, I didn't care, and I never bothered reaching out to a doctor about it. Then, on March 1st of 2018, I was home alone on the couch feeling awful. I had been sick again for the past week. However, I figured it was just a bad flu and that it would eventually pass. After a little <laughs> while, I fell asleep. I had a very weird and vivid, almost lucid dream. It was one where I didn't quite feel awake nor asleep. In the dream, I was in a room with a strange man. The room was pitch black, except for the center where the man was. He looked to be in his 20s, same as me. He was wearing a pure white wool sweater with brown pants and a plaid flat mm. cap. It reminded me of what an old Irishman would look like or something. He was standing next to an old record player, dancing to the music. The music was all random music, but all music I liked. He beckoned me over to dance with him, and so I did. We would dance and dance <laughs> to the same song played on loop over and over again. This went on and on for what seemed like forever. After a while, I would just say that this was getting boring and I wanted to stop dancing. <laughs> he would say, well, if this song is boring, then let's play another one. And a new song would start. And I'd agree to continue dancing. <laughs> Up until the point, it just felt like any other dream to me. Maybe a little vivid, but nothing out of the ordinary for a dream. However, after a while, things started to feel weird. Have you ever set an alarm for the morning and you go to sleep and then at some point in the night, you start to get suspicious of the amount of sleep you're actually getting. Like maybe you accidentally slept through your alarm. Mm -hmm. That's what I started to feel like. I told the man, this is weird. Am I still asleep? <laughs> he just brushed off the question and said, don't worry about it. Just keep dancing. <laughs> I was getting sick and tired of dancing and the repetition of the music. Then I started to get angry. I'm tired of dancing. <laughs> well, if this song is boring, let's play another one. He replied, no, I said, I don't want to dance anymore. I'm tired of it. That's fine, but don't stop dancing, he said. Why? I yelled. I don't want to dance anymore. Why do I have to keep dancing? The music stopped dead. He stopped dancing and he looked at me. He had a warm smile on his face. Because, he said, the music only lasts for so long, so might as well dance while you can. Hmm. Suddenly everything went black and I was alone by myself. I stayed like that for what felt like hours until I finally woke up. When I woke up, I was surrounded by doctors, one of whom was shining a light what? in my eyes. After they confirmed I was awake, they began pulling out all of these life support tubes out of my throat and neck, and I could finally speak. What happened was the first words I managed to croak out. Over the next couple of days, I learned what had happened. 
Over the past year or so, my pancreas had slowly started to lose its functions. Since my pancreas couldn't process any sugar, I put into my any sugar I put into my body, I drifted in and out of ketoacidosis a few months before finally falling into a coma. My parents had discovered me when they'd come home from work and took me to the hospital. In the hospital, as they were taking me up to ICU, my heart was arrested and I stopped breathing for a few seconds. However, they were right on me, defibrillating twice to start my heart again and to get it into proper rhythm. I woke up two days later. I stayed a month in the hospital while recovering from the severe nerve damage in my hands and feet. Jesus. While this stay was long and painful, I did discover time suck and listening to Dan's wacky antics got me through the worst of it. I guess it's true what they say, laughter is the best medicine. Thankfully, after two long years, I'm all healed up. Lots of people that are close to death or have near-death experiences report seeing past family members or loved ones. However, I didn't recognize the man that I saw. My family did predominantly come from Ireland, so I don't know, maybe it was some, <laughs> uh, some ancestor of mine looking out for me. I'm also aware that this entire thing could be a fabrication of my brain trying to create a comfortable environment while I was dying. To this day, I have no idea. That, I love that story. I, it's fascinating. The mm-hmm. two of those stories combined, it's just like, I don't know, it just gives me hope that maybe it's not all fucking poltergeist and cryptids yeah. and shadow people. Yeah, yeah. You know? That story, I, I loved it because it was so weird with all the dancing <laughs> that I forgot I that I forgot before he said it that there was a near-death experience story. Right. Like, like, I got so distracted by, like, why is this guy wanting him to fucking dance so much? <laughs> and and then that was, that, it, it, oh, that was a great, that was a great story. Yeah, and I almost got emotional when he said, like, dance while the music is playing. Like, mm-hmm. I could feel my eyes watering up just thinking about, like, you know, we least recently lost your grandfather. And, yeah. you know, his, his message at the end was, like, enjoy your life. Right? Like, live while you can live. And live it, to, I take this to mean, you know, this, this kid... This young man has this near-death experience. He was very depressed. He was having a hard time. And instead of, I mean, obviously he was also very sick. But instead of letting that, you know, it be beat out of him, yeah. you know, his ancestor, his subconscious, whatever, is mm-hmm. telling him, like, go back out there, live live, yeah. live your best life, as yeah. Oprah would say, you know? <laughs> but it's like, oh, that was it's, cool. it's a cool, cool story. Mm-hmm. All right. You want a little spoopiness? I do. Okay. This is so great. I love this story. It's so weird. Okay. Um, All right. (laughs) Hello, Lindsay and Dan. I'm not 100% sure if you're still doing my stories. Look at us. We are. (laughs) I'm currently binging all episodes after my coworker told me about your podcast. I'm absolutely in love. I homestead full time and I love to listen while doing farm chores. Homestead. That's awesome. You don't hear that very often. No. And and young too, you know, Mm -hmm. not like I Mm -hmm. I would expect that if someone was like, I'm 65, I've been homesteading for the past 20 years, (laughs) you know. I'm 180. I've been home steady steady (laughs) since the mid-19th century. (laughs) I told my coworker about this, and she said I should definitely send this in immediately, so here we go. In 2016, I had a party at my house with two of my girlfriends. We all invited a bunch of people, and about 30 or 40 people showed up, most of which were people from the town, which which is on the smaller side. Three people came who I knew went to high school with me, but I didn't know them that well. We were all drinking, having a good time, and someone started telling scary stories. I listened intensely because I'm a creeper and a peeper, if that's even possible. The three people my (laughs) friend invited started telling everyone about their house that they had just purchased, that it was haunted, and that they kept seeing a woman walking around the kitchen where they would hear voices in an argument coming from the master bedroom closet. We all laughed about it, and eventually someone changed the subject. 
Flash forward two hours later, one of the three people come hauling ass down my hallway carrying a picture from my family wall collage. He's screaming my name and I figured it fell off and broke or if it was one of my embarrassing baby photos. (laughs) He runs up to me and shoves the picture into my arms. This woman, who is she? It was a family picture of my aunt and my mom. I stood still and asked him the address of the house they had just bought. He told me the address and my gut dropped. In 2011, my aunt killed her husband and then herself. They were living in the house when it happened. I was shocked, but then again, it's a small town. I told him about what had happened and and about her, and he was clearly freaked out, but I assured him she meant them absolutely no harm. If anything, she was just lost. He messaged me on Facebook several months later saying that they had only seen her once or twice more and that nothing else ever happened. I lost contact with him and I'm not sure if he even still lives there. I know it's not that scary, but it's made me question everything. Yeah. Anyways, thank you guys for all you do and keeping me entertained while I work. Also, love those fuzzy socks, Lindsay. <laughs> that w- I don't know that that would make me feel like like if I if somebody told me that like, uh, oh yeah, my my aunt lived there and then she killed her husband, she killed herself, she doesn't mean you any harm. It, I'm okay. like, ah, I don't know about that. I had that same thought. And, and, sh- and the, <laughs> the, she, the storyteller. She doesn't seem harmless. Right. The storyteller, um, it's like they don't go into details like <sighs> was the uncle cheating and she. Uh, yeah, crime of passion right. and totally out of character. Yeah. Was was the aunt, was there like a, was there a drug problem? Was right. there a mental illness? Like there's Was she a victim n- of domestic violence and she snapped, you know, like totally, th- there could be. Snapped. Yeah, I mean, there's no details. Not necessarily a terrible but, person. But anytime someone kills someone. I'm just going to go with, I don't think that they mean you no harm if they come back. <laughs> that's right? not, not going to reassure me. Oh, don't even worry about it. That's, just, that, it. that's just a ghost of my aunt. She, uh, she killed her husband and killed herself and she's, she's fine. She's it, harmless. It, she's harmless. I mean, listen, like she was a huge meth addict and like, you know, she, it was just, it was just an aberration. Don't even her. worry about it. My uncle was John Wayne Gacy. He killed a bunch of people and buried him in the basement, but he's like, he's overall, you know, in a lot of ways he was a nice guy. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. But but like, can you imagine? I just had this thought of like, how many times have you been in somebody else's house? You know, like never. <laughs> I've never once been in someone else's house. And they have family photos lying around, mm-hmm. you know, and you're always like intrigued, like, oh, you know, oh, like family vacation yeah. or, you know, what does your aunt look like? I don't know, whatever. You just see these family yeah, photos. Yeah. If I was living in a house that I thought was haunted and then somewhere at some point I was at someone else's house and I saw a photo of the person who was fucking haunting <laughs> right. me, I would right. lose my fucking shit. Yes. Yes. That would be terrifying. And then also I'd be like, okay, friend, you come to my house and you talk to them. You tell them to get the fuck out. <laughs> right, right. This is your aunt. Talk to your aunt. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Those yeah. are all good. Yeah, they're all good. Totally oh. different, but I, I thought they were pretty fun. Yeah. Okay, so do you want to do some Annabelle shoutouts? I do. I got this little special one in here. Okay. Um, the first Annabelle, yeah, thank you so much, Annabelle. This first one is Andrew, no last name given. And then Yukneka Washington. And then Jesse McCall, whose name is very familiar. I, know, I believe I is also so Time Suck. Uh, David uh, Kotwitz. And then Kobe Cummins. Kobe Cummins, are co- my cousin. Uh, and I just want to say a little special message to Kobe. Good for you for letting the fam know uh, who you are, you know, what you believe. It was very brave. Lindsay yeah. and I have talked about it. Very cool. Um, I know I don't really know you um, with the age difference and space difference, but I know your grandparents, dad, uncles, and just very proud of you, Kobe. Uh, Lauren Steadley, Jason Kalmansberger, Courtney Boggs, Andrea Karchner, and then I love this Jello. Jello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was dying when I saw that. Not J Lo, Jello. Jello. J E L O. Yeah. Is how it was on the uh, uh, Patreon. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the only other person I've ever seen with our son's name. Oh, another Kyler? Yeah. So thank you, Annabelle Kyler Ferris. Awesome. Amber Thornsbury. 
Daniela Voss, James, no last name, Megan Stehe, uh, Jorge, or Georgie. I'm not sure like uh, on mm-hmm. the spelling here. So uh, no last name given. Zach Cardenas, C. Gallagher, Douglas Alcala, and Sean Sweeney. I'm gonna bet. It, I'm gonna bet it's Georgie. Okay. Georgie. I'm going Georgie. Georgie Porgy Pudding Pie. Oh my God. So okay. One of the greatest yacht rock songs. Toto songs with a special guest vocalist. Have to talk about this because we got our kids so into Yacht Georgie Rock. Georgie Porgy Pudding Pie. I wasn't kissing. Kiss the boy. Okay. We got our kids so into Yacht Rock the year that we went to Glacier. Remember, and it just became like our like national park theme huh? song. Then like Yellowstone, and that song came on. And then I started telling the kids how my dad yeah. made like I didn't know that that was a song because mm-hmm. my dad would say Lindsay Pinsy Puddin Pie kissed the boys and made them cry. Right. And the first time that song came on, I was like, wait, this is a song. My dad didn't make that up. I have yeah, no idea. Yeah, yeah, and the regular song is yeah, kiss the girls and make them cry. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, random little known Toto song. I can't remember the name of the vocalist. And that's all for today. That's not. I have. Oh, you have. I'm sorry. How rude. How rude. Oh my goodness. Okay, I have okay. some spoopy shout outs to Beyonce from Booby. Happy <laughs> birthday. This is oh, the best Booby. nicknames. Beyonce and Booby. I love it because I'm assuming her name is Brie, mm-hmm. and then it's like a joke about Beyonce. I love when I heard you say booby, I instinctively looked at your chest because the, the girls they are, look great they're, today. They're, they look great. They're out. Yeah. And Joe did some magic lighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. To Frankie from Brittany. Happy birthday. To Kelly from Mikey and Teresa. Happy birthday. To Katie Bear from Chance. Happy birthday. <laughs> and to Michaela from Brad and from me. Keep your chin up, Michaela. Everything's going to be all right, sister. Aw. And that is all for today, I believe. Now it is. Okay. Thanks for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Uh, you can email us for everything else, info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. And thanks to Logan Keith, social media, and badmagicmerch.com with uh, merch design, uh, store at badmagicproductions.com for customer service. Thanks to producer Sophie Evans for help with story curation. Joe Paisley uh, for producing, directing today. Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation. Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails uh, each and every week. Uh, also, thanks thanks again to Spotify, uh, that playlist mention. You know, we appreciate being uh, exposed to a whole bunch of new listeners. And thanks to Pandora for doing some special pr- promotions as well to get us uh, to a lot of new listeners. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content at Scared to Death Podcast. Find that private Facebook group, Creeps and Peepers, over eleven, over 12,000, excuse me, horror loving members. That's crazy. I feel like every week it just goes up, 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 up. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't know what the daily amount is, but it's been a nice upward, you know, progression. I love it. Thanks to Liz Hernandez for moderating. Uh, and if you don't want to hear more ads, want more uh, content, monthly bonus episodes, the This Looks Awesome Movie Club and more, uh, check us out on Patreon. And enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but has no home here within scared to death. Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Master Force Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Master Force tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money.
Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.